Welcome to the Triumphal Feast Podcast, a ministry of Elder Bryce Lowrance speaking to you from the pulpit of Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church in Social Circle, Georgia. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Friends fired him up. If you are not fired up in the Lord, You need to get to church. And if once a week doesn't fire you up, you need to go more. And if twice a week is not enough, you need to find some annual meetings to go to. And if that's not enough, I thank you, Lord, for what Elder Michael Goins has done. Grace Alone Radio is running 24 hours a day. Folks, if we're not fired up, it's our fault. Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church meets regularly two times a week. Our regular worship service is on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern, and our Wednesday evening Bible study is at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you would like to attend in person, we are located at 3749 Mount Perrin Church Road, Social Circle, Georgia, 30025. For more information about these services online or Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church, please visit our website at mppbc.com.
please turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 4. I am not going to repeat words that I spoke to you last week, but I feel it necessary to do a quick review of the things that we said in these first uh, verses 2, 3, and 4 of Colossians chapter 4. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now when I spoke to you last time about these verses, I said the sentence continues, but then I only got through uh, the first portion of the sentence. And we looked at this, that prayer is the powerhouse of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That prayer is also the battering ram, which when we pray to God, he breaks down the very gates of hell that the kingdom of heaven can overcome and expand. And so this morning, I would like to get into some more detail about what these prayers ought to look like. What does it mean to be a praying church, and what should our biggest focus in prayer be? Now, let me preface this. In our time of prayer that we take each Sunday morning, we ask if there are those that are in need of prayer. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. If we do not pray for help in our time of need, then we're not going to get help in our time of need. If we are sick and we want to get better, one of the best things that we can do is pray to God for the wisdom and pray that he help us. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with praying for those things. There's nothing wrong with praying for safety for someone that is traveling. The very common things that we pray for, most of the time there's absolutely nothing wrong with those things. We ought to do those. But that should not be the entire substance of our prayer. The Apostle Paul doesn't deny those things, but he says there is a larger focus that we ought to have in prayer, and it is a focus on the church and specifically, <clears throat> excuse me, specifically toward the gospel ministry. If prayer is the powerhouse of the church, praying for health for people is helpful, but praying for the spread of the gospel is needful. That is how God has designed that it be done. Now, let me preface this with saying I'm a primitive Baptist. Y'all know that. Y'all know I'm not going to say anything that contradicts the fact that the children of God are born again by a sovereign work of God without the aid of man or means of man in any way. The Holy Spirit comes and changes and quickens and causes us to be born again not by a choice that we have made or uh, that we had faith in Christ because before we're born again, we don't have faith. It's like being born into this world. God causes it to happen. But he has designed that his kingdom be promoted by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He changes the part about people that we cannot change. We cannot change the heart of someone that is dead in sin. We could preach the gospel to them all day long and it not get anywhere 
because they don't have the Spirit of God in them. Therefore, it's foolishness unto them. But let us not be lax in our efforts of evangelism because God has given us a charge. And that charge is we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The salt of the earth doesn't salt the earth if it never talks to the earth. The light of the world never lights the world if it never leaves its house. We have a job to do, and that is to be out there in this world, changing this world. Now again, we can't cause a person to be born again, but let's not use that as a, what I'll, well, I'll call it what it is. It's a lame excuse to not talk about the Lord. Say, well, I can't change anybody's heart. No, you can't. But if the Lord has changed their heart and we're not talking to them, what good are we doing them? We are being stingy with the blessings of the gospel that God has given us. And we don't need to do that. Paul says, with all, praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of a hint of what this means, and then we're going to go back to some experiences of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, where is he when he writes this? He's in prison. He has had many years of ministry, and he is in prison at this point. He probably got released from this imprisonment, but just a couple of years later, he's put in prison again and eventually martyred. But what he is praying for right here is he says that we are to continue in prayer, that we're to watch for it, and we're to be thankful for what's going on. And he says, with all, meaning in these prayers is a prayer for the gospel ministers. He doesn't say just me. And I want you to notice something. He doesn't pray to be let go free. He doesn't pray for ease. He doesn't pray for everything to go all right. He prays for a door of utterance. He says, I want an opportunity to preach the gospel. The guy's in prison. And the first thing he says, pray for, is I get an opportunity to preach the gospel. And the second thing he says to pray for is that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Not only do I have the opportunity to speak, but I say the right things. And I say it as I ought. Because this is why I am in bonds. And something we need to remember about that, if you look over at the Philippian letter, he doesn't talk about his bonds in Rome. He talks about his bonds in Christ. He said, I'm, I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he talks about bonds, yes, he got thrown in prison for preaching the gospel, but he willingly did that because he was in bonds to Christ. If you would put just a ribbon there in your Bible, and I want to just take a brief look at some of the things that the Apostle Paul went through before he ever wrote this letter. Turn with me over to the book of Acts. We'll start somewhere in the middle of Acts 18. What we're going to look at this morning 
is the ending part of Paul's second preaching trip and then the beginning of his third preaching trip. Because I want us to look at the experiences of the Apostle Paul so that we can understand what it is we are to pray for for our ministers. And I'm going to be honest with you. If we focus on what it is the Bible says we're to pray for our ministers, that might change what we pray for ourselves. If we pray for personal prosperity for ourselves, are we going according to the word of God? Or are we praying, I'm going to give you the end of the story. Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That should be what we're praying for. Not my will be done, not everything go right for me, but God's will be done on earth. And God's will to be done on earth is the gates of hell shall not prevail against his kingdom. Here in Acts chapter 18, Paul leaves Athens and goes to Corinth. If you don't know your history very well, I can describe leaving Athens and going to Corinth to you in these terms. He left New York City and went to San Francisco. As horrible as we Southerners think New York City is, San Francisco's all the worse with all of the love of the world and all of the other problems that goes along with San Francisco. That's Corinth. Paul goes from one nasty place to another. But he is following the Spirit of the Lord. Here at Corinth, we'll start in Acts 18, verse 2. And found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came unto them. What is happening right here is Paul is on the road preaching the gospel, and he comes across two believers, a husband and wife, Priscilla and Aquila, who were believers... But at least one of them was a Jew because they got cast out of Rome. So they came out of Italy because Claudius Caesar got upset. And so he looked at Christianity and said that came from the Jews. And so he starts with the Jews and runs all the Jews out of Rome. So he's meeting a persecuted people. But something that I want you to notice is we hear of Aquila and Priscilla quite a bit in the book of Acts. We're, we're going to find that they teach Apollos and they help him correct his doctrine. We're going to find that Aquila and Priscilla are positive people. They are joyful in the Lord. But folks, the first time we meet them, they've been kicked out of their home. But they're joyful? That tells me something right there about what I ought to be praying for is if I can have joy even though I can't go to the place that I want to live and I can't go to the church that I want to go to anymore, but I can remain joyful in the Lord. Maybe that's what we ought to be praying for. Maybe that'll change our perspective on the things that we ask for. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Paul's here by himself, but he meets up with some fellow Christians. 
And he keeps on preaching in the gospel. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Friends fired him up. If you are not fired up in the Lord, you need to get to church. And if once a week doesn't fire you up, you need to go more. And if twice a week is not enough, you need to find some annual meetings to go to. And if that's not enough, I thank you, Lord, for what Elder Michael Goins has done. Grace Alone Radio is running 24 hours a day. Folks, if we're not fired up, it's our fault. If we're saying, Lord, stir a fire in me, but we're not willing to take our single coal and go throw it with the rest of the fire, then we're asking the wrong things. We need to be asking, Lord, convict me so I get myself back there. We don't want that, though, do we? But the result is, when you get around the Lord's people, it fires you up. Well, there's something wrong with you. Might be something wrong with us. Might be that we need to repent of something. Might be that we need to be praying more. It might be that we need to be reading the Word of God more. It might be that when someone comes up to talk about Nebuchadnezzar, we got those stories running through our mind. It's like, all right, which one's he going to talk about? We get excited about it. If we're not, we got to fix something. Paul didn't need to fix something. His friends showed up. He'd been preaching Jesus Christ, but then he got even more bold. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, that's something interesting, how the Bible describes the unbeliever. We see an unbeliever as somebody that opposes us and God. The Bible describes them as opposing themselves. By pure logic, they should be able to understand that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. By pure logic, they ought to be able to understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and yet they deny it and they blaspheme. Paul, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth, I will go unto the Gentiles. This is a seminal moment in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Up to this point, Paul had done the same thing every time. He had gone into a community. He had found the synagogue. And he had spoken every Sabbath in the synagogue. He was a Jew. He was an educated Jew. And so he was given permission in all of these places. He had a routine and there was nothing wrong with that routine. But there aren't Gentiles in the synagogue and God wanted his kingdom to be manifest among the Gentiles as well so Paul had to have his house shook up a little bit but I hadn't noticed this before I thought the coming of Silas and Timotheus was to help Paul and it does but what I had missed before is Paul's house is about to be broken apart, and it's going to be different what he has to do. And so the Lord sends Aquila and Priscilla first, who have already been through having their house broken up, but they continued in the kingdom of Christ. 
watch, pray, and watch. Because if we think that the Lord is going to use us in the place that we are, we might be right. But he may not use us in the way we think. And it may also be that the Lord is not going to use us in the very place that we're at right now, but he wants us somewhere else. Or it could be a dramatic change as this, that we're not doing the same thing at all and we're not doing it in the same location. Paul says, I go unto the Gentiles. This is where you and I need to be very, very thankful. Because it's at this point. Not, now, now, Peter preached the Gentiles before. But it's at this point where the gospel truly starts to pre- spread among usans. <laughs> us folks that are outside the Jewish nation. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice. One that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. I love this. I absolutely love this. Paul, several Sabbath days in a row, is in the Sabbath, uh, the, 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 the building, the synagogue, and they reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, fine, I henceforth go to the Gentiles. He walks out the door. He turns left. He goes in the next door. He doesn't run away to a foreign country. He doesn't run away to people that he doesn't know. He, well, he does somewhat. But he doesn't even leave, much less does he not leave the city. He doesn't leave the block. He doesn't leave the building. He just goes into the next apartment over. When the Lord wants to make some big changes in our lives, we don't, it's not like we have to go on the other side of the earth. Are there people called to do that? Yes, there are. But what we need to realize is we might need to just go next door. And that's where Paul goes. He goes to the Gentiles next door. The people that need what you have are next door. They're at your workplace. You meet them in the grocery store. What we need to be praying for is that each of us has the courage to let them know what Jesus Christ has done for us And that the Lord open up a door so that Mount Perrin Church can help them. When you are praying for me, when you're praying for Jonah, when you're praying for any minister, folks, that's what you're praying for. Is that the word of God be manifest and a door opens. What we need to realize is sometimes that means a door's got to close so that you can go next door. Paul goes next door. And he wasn't uncomfortable at all, was he? Paul's a human. Let's notice what happens here. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid. Now, if I hadn't read that last part, we got Paul leaving the synagogue, 
going next door, the ruler of the synagogue followed him, right? <laughs> Sometimes we need to quit doing the job that we're doing and go someplace else in order to follow the Lord. Ruler of the synagogue recognized that. My point is this. Paul baptized a lot of people. But the first words that the Lord Jesus Christ said to Paul are, be not afraid. You know what that means? Things were going well for Paul, but there was some fear in him somewhere. I think it was a lot because that's how Jesus started. Remember where he is. He's in Corinth. San Francisco. Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you get the point? This is a bad place. And so Paul was probably encouraged that people were being baptized and following the Lord Jesus Christ. But with all of that, there's some fear there. I know this because that's the first thing that Jesus says. Notice what he says along with that. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Paul, keep doing what you've been doing. As a matter of fact, if you think you were on fire before Paul, light it up. Throw on the afterburners. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. Ha! Ah, what was Paul afraid of? He's afraid of getting killed. Why? Because people had tried to kill him before in places that weren't this bad. He was at Thessalonica. Not such a bad place. They tried to kill him. And now, under the preaching of the gospel that he was doing, the leader of the synagogue has left the Jews and become a Christian? What do you think these Jews think about him? He's afraid of his own countrymen. No doubt afraid of the evil that's all around him. Aren't we the same way? Aren't there places that give us fear and trepidation to go into because we're afraid of what we'll see or experience? Are we not afraid to walk around downtown Atlanta in the middle of the night? We ought to be. But I can tell you what, Corinth was worse. And Jesus says, Paul, don't be afraid. Nobody's going to hurt you. Why? For I have much people in this city. Paul had only preached to a few folks next door to the synagogue in the school of Corinth. Excuse me, in the, in the house of justice. Before Paul preached, Jesus Christ had much people in this city. Yes, that's sovereign grace. What we need to realize is there's a very good chance that God's got a lot of people in the communities in which we live. They just haven't heard the right gospel yet. People have their routines, just like we have our routines. And God doesn't call upon all of those people in Corinth to change their routine. He says, Paul, change yours. Paul, you go out to the Gentiles. So when we're praying, that's what we're praying for is that we recognize where the Lord has opened a door of utterance. That's a door to say something. And then we're praying that we say the right thing. So we're praying a Baptist. 
No, we're primitive Baptists. Well, what's that? Know how to answer that question. And not in an arrogant way. Here's a simple answer for you. We believe in sovereign grace plus nothing. That salvation is by God's grace and God's grace alone. The finished work of Jesus Christ is sufficient. Any belief that we have, any acceptance of it that we have is by the grace of God. We didn't cause it. If they've been to church at all, that's going to be enough difference that they're going to say, whoa. And if they haven't been to church at all, they might say, hey, tell me about this God. That doesn't sound like what they're saying over here in that building or what they're saying over here in that building. That doesn't sound like anything I've heard on the television or the radio. Certainly not anything like I've heard on the Internet. Tell me more about this. We just need to have the simple truth ready to answer. Didn't Peter tell us to be ready to answer for the hope that is in us? you got to be exhibiting hope before somebody asks you about your hope. Please join us again next time for the conclusion of the message, How Do We Pray for the Ministry? We hope this edition of Triumphal Feast has been a blessing to you. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and visit our website at mppbc.com for further resources, including our devotional blog, Little Brother's Thoughts on the Bible. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you all is our prayer.